next, uh, next Sunday. Also, I, I just wanted to point out, a, this is sort of a personal point of privilege. Uh, many of you know I was a pastor in the area before I came to, to, uh, uh, to serve here at Green Tree. I was a pastor out in West County. And a good part of our worship band was actually up there tonight. And uh, I w- it, was just, it just warmed my heart to, to have uh, Tim Malden and the Heimbergers uh, playing. You know, and, and we affectionately refer to the Heimberger family as the Von Heimbergers just because they're such a musical family. I'm so glad uh, to have them uh, here, here this evening. And I'm really glad that you've joined us at 11 o'clock. Uh, I know it's late, but <clears throat> there's something about the imagery of being in the dark and waiting for the light. And that's what uh, Jesus' birth is, is the coming of the light. Now, Christmas, they say, and, and, and it is for, for most of us a time of joy. Sometimes we just we get caught up in the spirit of it. We, we're not even thinking why we're joyful. We just, we just are. We hear the Christmas music, and we get in, the, in a good mood, and there's that first snow, and it just, you know, uh, it just lifts our spirits. You know, there's that song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, tell, tells us, be of good cheer. And I want to be of good cheer. I am of good cheer. But sometimes I wonder, well, now what exactly am I, am I happy about? What Christmas is about and why we have reason to be joyful is that the world is dark and broken. Have you noticed? You have? And the one who's going to come and put it right was born on the first Christmas morning. Let's read about the prophecy of the coming of that child from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Would you pray with me again? Lord and Father, we come to you tonight. We give you thanks uh, that you have loved us so that you have given us your only son. We celebrate his coming into this dark world as a light. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you would move within us to worship you in spirit and in truth, to truly have the joy of Christmas in us and celebrate the fact that the Savior has come to undo all that is wrong with this world. Lord, give us faith to believe that this night, that we may leave this place more joyful than when we came, more confident in your love than when we came, more like Christ himself than when we came. Would you work that in as we pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I want to share something with you. <clears throat> this, um, 
a very small thing. It is a uh, N-gauge model train engine. Anybody model train people here? Anybody? A couple. All right, there you go. Oh, man, that's, that, that's serious stuff. Well, uh, this train belonged to my father, and it harkens back to a time in my childhood uh, where we would set up a Christmas tree and um, set up trains underneath it, and uh, we, we went all out. Uh, there were models, and there was a model town there, and there were cars and street lights and lights coming up from underneath uh, the, uh, the train board to light up the buildings and the barns. Um, it was a sweet time. I just I remember it that way. Now, this train, um, it doesn't work anymore. It's broken. And it seems fitting uh, because my father's long gone, as are many other family relations. So is that time. It's not coming back. Uh, but every Christmas, every new Christmas, I, I think back on those Christmases long ago and the things that are lost and broken. What is it that I really want for Christmas this year? What is it that you really want for Christmas? And I'm not talking about a drone or uh, a new phone or a new car. I'm talking about what is it that you really long for and desire to see happen and realize in your life? Are you looking for purpose? Or maybe are you looking for a renewed passion, uh, a restored relationship? Let me tell you what I want for Christmas. I want all the beautiful things in my life that are broken, to be made new. That's what I want. And Jesus is the one who comes and makes all things new. He puts all things right. And in his coming, we have the promise of our deepest longings realized in a person who gives not simply his best. He gives himself to us. What is the joy of Christmas? It's God giving us himself that he might put everything right. Now, that joy, that joy of Christmas finds its, its first source in, in renewed hope. How many of you want to be hopeful about life but really struggle with it? You don't have to raise your hand. We want to be hopeful we're just not. We just experience too much heartbreak, too much betrayal, too much disappointment. But God has a word for you. He speaks a word into our lives. He says, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Do you think hope is an important thing to live life? Do you, do you, what do you think? Yes? Well, yeah, well, you know, I kind of get by without it. Well, let me, let me read you something from um, Psychology Today, uh, an article written by Scott Kaufman. Uh, the article is called The Will and Ways of Hope. This is what he has to say about hope. Talent, skill, ability, whatever you want to call it, will not get you there to wherever you want to go. Sure, it helps 
But a wealth of psychological research over the past few decades show loud and clear that it's the psychological vehicles that really get you there. And in case you're missing it, he makes it absolutely clear when he says, that's hope. What I'm talking about is hope. We need it. You know, when you go back to work after Christmas break, do you find yourself asking questions like, why am I here? What am I doing? Does this, does this, does this matter? Does your work, does your life give you a sense of meaning? Do you ask the question, will my life get any better, or is this, is this as good as it gets? Because if this is as good as it gets, it's not all that great. And the people of ancient Israel, they, they lived under oppression, uh, the oppression of various foreign powers, maybe even the oppression of their own kings. Uh, there was invasion, there was brutality, and they lived with these same questions that we have, the same frustrations. Yeah, there's a, there's a new power in town. Yeah, there's a new king. Meet the new boss. Guess what? Same. Anybody know the, the, the way to complete that? Same as the old boss. Now, I'm not trying to bag on bosses here. Bosses have their frustrations as well. You wonder if there's ever going to be uh, anything but hard work in your life, the striving for expansion or making the next deal, the disappointment of having it fall through. Will it ever be enough? Will it, will it ever really satisfy? You know, we don't find lasting hope in this world. We don't find lasting hope in this life. And so God intervenes. He sends something from the outside to change it all. He sends himself. He sends Jesus, a light shining in the darkness, bringing hope, hope for something more. Okay? Well, good. More sounds good, but what exactly is that more? Well, it begins with understanding that God brings abundance. Now, maybe not abundance in the way we typically think of abundance. He brings what we need and along with it contentment, thankfulness for it. Now, how many of us have dreamed of getting a present and, and maybe we got a promotion or, or a bonus and we went out and bought it and it made us happy for a week? And then it didn't make us happy anymore. The promise here is to bring abundance that satisfies, that brings contentment. It makes <clears throat> mention of the harvest. Any, if any of you are farmers here or know anything about farming, uh, you know, harvest is... It's something where you have a lot of hard work, and then you need to wait and have a lot of patience. And then you need a lot of hard work again to bring in the fruit of your labor. But when, when you do, the, it, during harvest time, there is joy because all the hard work pays off, and now there's an abundance. And what God is offering is not an abundance that's decadent, that leads to sort of uh, indulging yourself and, and then leads to shame. But again, a, an abundance that satisfies, that brings contentment because we see the Lord God himself giving himself to us our father in heaven giving us what we need now many of us have fathers in this life and maybe they were they were people we could admire and maybe they weren't but God is a good father and he gives us what we need he gives us things to satisfy us that's what's promised in the Savior. And more than simply abundance, he promises release. Release from things that enslave us. 
Uh, verse 4, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. Midian was one of those oppressive foreign powers. And so the focus there is, again, on outside oppressors. But we know something of oppression. You know something of oppression. Maybe it's prejudice. Maybe we're a slave to self-indulgence. Maybe there's an addiction in our life. Maybe it's just we feel a slave to the family expectations during Christmas season. Maybe it's just something as small as that, but still feels pretty powerful. Oh, we've disappointed Aunt Julie again. Jesus promises relief and release in this life, in part, in the next life fully. And he brings peace, verse 5, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. War will be done away with. As Jesus brings contentment to hearts, to families, to communities, dare I say to nations, to the world, if there's contentment, there's no need for strife. And war becomes obsolete. Now ultimately the peace that we're talking about here is a peace with God. The debt of sin that we have, the fact that God needs to execute justice on on wrongdoing. He can't let it uh, go unpunished. But that's why Jesus comes. A baby born and given as a sacrifice that brings peace. His blood spilled so that there will, never need, there will never be a need for bloodshed again. God opens a way of life. And God wants that peace to spill out in our society, creating justice. Justice under the loving gui- guidance of the gift of this son. Verse 6, for unto us, uh, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. The weight of governing is going to be on him. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of us are very excited about the the leaders that we vote for? And once they're in office two years, we're like, oh, let's kick the bum out. It's not going to be that way with Jesus. Because of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, not with with power and brutality, but with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. In this day and age of partisan battling, of government shutdowns, can you imagine speaking respectfully to each other, dealing with each other with kindness, and respect. That's what the Lord is promising to come in Jesus. And why does he do this? Particularly at such cost to himself. Why does he do it? Because of his love for you. Not some abstract person. God loves you. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal, the passion, the desperate love God has for his children 
for you, his son, his daughter. Can you believe that? Can you believe God loves you that way? It's true. Now, all the subjects I've mentioned, whether it's love of God or peace or justice, they all deserve a lot much longer explanation. But the heart of the joy of Christ is the passionate love of God for his children, that he would come himself in the person of Christ to put all things right. And when you believe that, you will have abundance, even in need. You will know release even in a world of oppression. You will know peace even in your personal crises. You'll experience justice as you live it out, even as you see injustice around you, and you will have hope. It's going to change everything for you, even as you wait for God to fully flesh it out in the world. That's the joy of Christmas, the, the hope of life put right through the love of God and Jesus Christ, the hope of broken things being made new. Jesus is the true joy of Christmas. So as you exchange gifts with each other, in honor of that great gift given to us in that first Christmas, remember that. That your joy is not, not in the presence that you receive. Not from each other, but the gift given by God. And that gift is himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great reminder of your love for us in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that we would celebrate from the heart this Christmas of your, we would celebrate your love. We would worship you for it. And would it inspire in us a hope, a hope to live life in a way that honors you, to live with joy. Despite our circumstances, we know you're going to make all things right. Give us that kind of faith, Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.